Hello, hello. Happy Thursday, my darling pop culture junkies. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hi guys, I am coming to you all the way across the pond from London. I am in London. I am feeling London. I might break out into a bit of an accent every now and then as you've, you've heard me do that as, as any longtime listener or reader knows I am a full on Anglophile and I try to um, make people like my whole thing in London is that I don't want to be mistaken as a tourist, even though I'm technically a tourist. It's if somebody thinks I'm a local, then I have succeeded. I have to dress like a local. I have to act like a local. I'm I'm so embarrassed when an American accent comes out of my mouth that sometimes I just sort of nod or things. I mean, really. And and walking through the streets of London on a Wednesday, which today is today, Wednesday, today's Wednesday. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was walking through Soho and there's so many people sitting outside in pubs, having a pint, having a cigarette. And I'm just, you know what? These are my people. It makes me so happy. It's a, it's, it's not what you see in LA. I don't think people even, I don't even know if they're legally allowed to serve beer in Los Angeles. I'm sure there's some, some hidden places where people drink beer, but uh, they certainly don't drink. Like there is no walking around and seeing a lively bar action, even at a restaurant that has a bar in the middle of the day. Even in New York, you don't really see that sort of social thing in the afternoon. And I'm not talking five or six o'clock. I'm talking two o'clock in the afternoon, lively pub scene. It's everything, a little rowdy. And it's, it's all, it's all my happy place though. I will say, so if you haven't read the newsletter, that's fine. That's okay. You're here. I'm here to bring you up to speed, but I had the incredible opportunity to go to Wimbledon and I was there on Sunday at the men's final, which in and of itself is an incredible thing. I am so, I am so grateful and I am so privileged, but it turned out to be a miraculous day because it was some of the greatest tennis anybody's ever seen. And I like tennis. I grew up playing tennis. I am not by any means somebody that has, however, sat around on the couch and watched a tennis tournament. I dip in, dip out. I'll watch highlights. I've been to, you know, amazing tennis tournaments, including the U.S. Open or Indian Wells, but I've just never, it's not something that I wake up thinking about. I think that's forever changed. My DNA has changed from watching this incredible tennis match between Djokovic and Alcaraz. And going in, I didn't really know a lot about Alcaraz. I didn't think that there was going to be much of a game. I mean, I know he was a great player. I know he's won some big tournaments, but he's 20 and it's Djokovic. And he's like, you know, a monster. The guy is somebody, my friend Caroline, hi, Caroline said yesterday, sort of like, is he an AI character? Like he doesn't really seem like a human. And he also, let's just be clear, would more than likely vote for RFK Jr. He's got his his opinions on vaccines, aka he doesn't believe in them. We remember where he wasn't allowed in the US and Wimbledon and all these places because he wouldn't get the vaccine. It just seems like kind of an asshole. And as other people have said, well, he's Serbian. I don't care. I have lots of people I know who are from Serbia and are fantastic. That's not my problem with him. He just doesn't seem to have much of a of a warm 
fuzzy personality. But let me just explain to you, for those of you who have not been to Wimbledon, it is so civilized. Like I am, I had stress for the two weeks leading up to going there because I have stress. I'm a New Yorker going to the U S open. It is not easy. Like, first of all, going to the U S open, don't take a car. The only real way is to take a train because the cars aren't really allowed anywhere near the stadium and people are yelling at you. Cops are like, not there, buddy, turn the fuck around. And so you just take the subway, but it's crowded. And then you have to walk a lot and it's usually so hot. So I'm having all of this anxiety. And I went with my amazing darling friend, Chrissy Philanthesis, which makes me so happy because I think we've known each other for 20 years and I've just recently been able to finally pronounce her name. People would be like, which Chrissy? And I'm like, Chrissy, I can't say Chrissy's last name, but now I say it, Philalithis. And Chrissy had the whole thing dialed in. We had a car, every... Every single person in Wimbledon, like the village or whatnot, are so lovely. The security people were like, this is where you go. The driver knew where to go. Everything was easy. The queues, aka lines, moved very quickly. The system, the tickets, all digital. They scan it. Amazing. So quick. Like from the time we got dropped off on the, this is the day of finals, to the time we got in was like less than a minute. Security going through the bags. They don't have guns here. So security is a bit more chill. I didn't need a clear bag. You can have a big bag, all of that. But what's another very interesting tidbit is that I was so paranoid that I was going to break the rules because, you know, stupid American comes in and breaks the rules. Something like I can't wear sandals. I didn't know what to, to say. So I went through, because I have the Wimbledon app, which is where the tickets lived. I went through the rules, all of the things that you're allowed to do. I mean, you could bring umbrellas in. You could do things that you can't even comprehend in America. They'd be like a Vita Zane. But in the rules, it says you can bring a flag because you're assuming if you're if you're Serbian, you're going to have the Serbian flag, Spanish, you have the Spanish flag, whatever. You can have the flag of your nation, except you're not allowed to have a Russian or a Belarusian flag. Those were banned. And I don't know if it's always been the case or just since what's been going on in the what they call conflict, but obviously a, a war. I... I found it fascinating, but to be fair, didn't see any flags except for one Serbian flag throughout the whole time. But when you walk in, you're in a village, like you don't realize it's like, obviously you see it at the US Open, but it's more spread out and lots of, I don't know, it just, it's so much more civilized in England. So it's, you see all these grass courts and it's the only major that has grass courts. And there's something that changes the brain when you're surrounded, you're seeing all the smaller courts, the ones where assuming, you know, people are playing at this club all the time, but this is the championship. So even the last two weeks, I imagine there was activity on the courts, whether it was practice or the smaller matches had smaller courts and you just see everything and it's all open and it's so green and vibrant and everyone dresses so well. I mean, it is like chef's kiss to the fashion. Women are wearing gorgeous dresses and skirts or, you know, just everybody is well, is thoughtful and women uh, and men are wearing linen suits or we've seen the pictures. It's not just the celebrities. I imagine it's something to do with the fact that the royal family is there. And so, you know, people dress up for that. That's the respectful thing to do. But, you know, you just didn't see like people 
people in tank tops and jeans and jean shorts and tevas or flip-flops. Like it was, people were well-dressed. There were some really well-dressed people. Like there were women prancing around in, in quite high heels, which I was just like floored by because I can't wear heels anymore. So maybe I was a little envious. But then, I mean, everybody's so nice. There's all these places to go. There's all these different like lounges and restaurants and people standing in line and getting their roast chicken and their rosé champagne and they're famous for their strawberries and cream and pims. And then you sit and you have a table and everybody's sort of drinking their pims or their champers or their sparkling water and smoking their cigarettes if they will. But if, if you're not a smoker, nobody's complaining. Like it's just... I don't know, guys. It's so much more my vibe. And then everybody is so calm and and excited and there's no drunkenness, which I was expecting, like a little sort of like soccer player stuff. No, no, none of that happens. And they have huge amounts of sort of people working the grounds and security and policemen and all these different levels or people with red sashes. Like it's a whole thing. We get to our seats and we're almost like across from where the royal family sits. But and even though it's a big court, I can still see because we're so programmed to know who they are. I was like, there's Kate. She's in a green dress and there's Prince William. And then I could I was like, that's George and that's Charlotte. It was so interesting. And it but it was joyful and everybody's giddy and happy. And then the tennis was incredible. We all know the tennis is incredible. I think I I wrote seven sets in the newsletter, but I meant a full five, but because it was endless, it was five hours of the most incredible tennis. But there was an unfortunate situation that happened to me pretty early on. And that is that I clocked Brad Pitt, who was sitting like eight rows in front of us to the right. And I clocked him. I How? Because I wasn't even looking at his face. I clocked him by the back of his head which tells you that I might have a bit of an issue. Like I know celebrities so well that I could identify the back of this man's head, eight rows in a sea of people, like a Where's Waldo. There he was, I clocked it. Then I Googled Brad Pitt Wimbledon and there he was. And then I could see, yeah, that's him. He's wearing that blue shirt, da, 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 da. And the man started eating what they call crisps in England, what we call potato chips. And he was like, turn, and there was a profile picture of him eating potato chips. And I was just like, okay, I found my new kink, which is I was at Wimbledon watching Brad Pitt watching Wimbledon. That was basically, I I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I know there were a ton of other celebrities there. I did not see anyone else. I wasn't looking. There's no one else. It was just like Brad Pitt looked so great. As somebody said, his facelift clearly has settled because there was a little bit of an issue a few months ago, but God bless the work he's had. People keep saying he's aged backwards. I'm sure there's so many things he's doing, but whatever work he's done, flawless. Like chef's kiss to that surgeon, surgeons and dermatological work and all of the injections he's getting or HGH or whatever the hell he's doing. God bless, fully subscribe to that. So all in all, it was an incredible Wimbledon. And it's, you know, I, I really am proud of myself for being able to have spotted the perfectly quaffed 
perfect haircut, perfect highlights, Brad Pitt in this perfect blue with the perfect crisps. And, um, oh yeah, you know, the, the non, the non Djokovic guy won and everybody was celebrating. The crowd was so much a fan of his, like you could tell right off the bat that it wasn't a Djokovic audience. Like even when he would win a point, people that many more people were rooting for Alcaraz and they were like shouting Carlito, Carlito. It was really, it was inspiring. He was 20 years old. It was, you know, it was a moment. And I don't know if I will ever have an experience like that again. Um, but here we are. We're not here to just talk about Wimbledon. Here's what's happening, guys. So I wrote about, I try, it was really complicated because like on one hand, I wanted to write about the sort of crazy marketing for Barbie. And it's like, you can't go anywhere. I mean, I'm in London and like Zara has Barbie, it's Barbie line in the window. I mean, it's everywhere. Every single brand you could think of. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're going to have like Barbie condoms and Barbie antacid. I mean, it's, there is not a brand that has not jumped on this sort of train. And I don't know if this is the marketing team for Mattel and Barbie, or if these brands have just decided to ride it. I'm sure there's a little bit of both, but I wanted to talk about that. At the same time, the juxtaposition of these two movies, which we talked about in last week's pod, but with Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out, I have fully decided that I am doing the double feature. My friend Brian, if you're listening, I am holding you to it. We're going to do the double feature. And I have decided I'm going to do Barbie first, Oppenheimer second, if that makes sense. Uh, I've really gone back and forth on this. But I think that's the strategy because I think that Barbie's going to be great. I, I've heard it's great. I didn't think it was going to be great, but I now have it on good authority from people who've seen it, went to the premieres and people who wouldn't have thought it was great, thought it was great. Like really, really thought it was great. Ironically, there was an article out today about Matt freaking Gates, that little like Eddie Munster fucker and his wife, for whatever reason, showed up at the Washington DC premiere of it. And this is the problem with Washington. Like- LA, New York, they would not let that motherfucker in. He would not ever get an invite. They would not, he would not be anywhere near. And like DC, I don't know if they just don't know how to handle this, but, I, and I do, like, I have heard from people that he might actually not have been invited. They just showed up, but he was wearing a pink jacket. The child bride was wearing like pink clothes and they are photographed all over. But then the child bride <laughs> goes out into her community or followers or whatever is like, whatever you do, don't watch Barbie. You can like wear your Barbie clothes and be inspired by the fashion, but you can't watch the movie. It is, this is not the Barbie I grew up with. And she's talking about how there was no like religion in it. Like, did you guys know that Barbie was Christian? Cause I certainly didn't get that fucking memo, but more importantly, she talks about how the Ken has low tea. He doesn't have a lot of tea and we're not talking about tea you drink. It's capital T as in testosterone. I mean, this is the motherfucking world that we're that Gates and his like child trafficked bride. Sorry. I, one can have an opinion is, um, is going out there saying that Ken has low testosterone and therefore nobody should go see this movie. But after using it as a PR moment to get their picture taken amongst the quote unquote Washington celebrities, which sorry to my Washington DC friends. I love you, Kara, Tammy, all of you, but it's an oxymoron. 
celebs in DC. So anyway, I want to see this movie. I've heard it's great, but I also think seeing it before Oppenheimer, I will enjoy it. I will really love it. I think Oppenheimer will so destroy me and I'll be so emotionally drained that I wouldn't then appreciate the Barbie movie in the same way. So you guys do whatever you want. There are no rules, but if you do the double feature, uh, tell me the order you went, but this is my theory because then the way that I'll feel better after Oppenheimer is I'll go home and like cuddle my dog and I'll watch like, I don't know, stupid television, like real housewives or something to get my soul back. That's, that's, that's how I'm going to approach it. It's going to be a day of content. But in the newsletter, I also then tried to write about the fact that there are these strikes that we had the writer strike and then we had the screen actors guild strike and you know, it's, so I combined it. I basically combined it into this, you know, these big movies are coming out. And then ironically we have, you know, actors and writers now on strike. We had a big gaffe from, I used to call him, you know, uh, daddy Iger. We loved that Bob Iger. I say loved, I can say this. Disney's never been a client. They certainly aren't going to be now, but you know, listen, Bob Iger looks at hell of a good in a suit. I'll tell you when, when George Hahn, who was a guest on this podcast and I were sitting front and center, uh, at the code conference with his interview with Kara, he's wearing this like white crisp Laura Piana button down shirt. And, and this is before he was back at Disney. He was claiming he was retired. We were like, I don't know who's going to jump on the stage first, me or George, but we were both like hot for Iger. Man wears a suit. Well, this is what he doesn't wear. Well, wearing a $20,000 Laura Piana outfit on the top of the mountain in Sun Valley at the billionaires sleepaway camp, which is what Sun Valley Allen and company conference has become known as. And on television in an interview with CNBC on the record with cameras going, knowing he's mic'd a, a lifelong executive, a very seasoned guy who knows everything that comes out of his mouth before it's going to come out way different than Zaslav, who's just, you know, astronomically unprofessional when it comes to media savvy, um, though he thinks he's savvy. This man says the thing that I think is what pushed the fucking Screen Actors Guild to be like, and we're out, we're fucking out. But he preposterously goes into saying that they're, you know, misguided, that the they asking for more money is unrealistic. And he just basically makes, he just makes one gaffe after another gaffe after another gaffe. Well, I think it's very disturbing to me. I, you know, we've talked about uh, disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges that we're facing and the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. It's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. I understand uh, any, any labor organization's desire to work on the behalf, behalf of its members to get you know, the most compensation, to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And I, again, I respect their right and their desire to get as much as they possibly can in compensation. But you also have to be realistic about the business environment and what this business can deliver. It will have a very, very damaging effect on the whole business. And unfortunately, the there's huge collateral damage in the industry. It is really a shame. And I mean, when I was watching it, I was watching it live and I was like, oh God, 
Oh, no fucking way. No shit. He did not just say that. Like, what is the reason? There has to be a reason. This is going to backfire. Just the optics of it. I mean, it may have even come across different if it had been, you know, like he was hustling and he was in the negotiating room or whatnot. But the man was relaxed as can be, suntanned, wearing like dipped in Laura Piana, as I said, Sun Valley, just the optics. The optics were so like, guys, how long have we been doing this? We know that this is an optics business, but it was also, let's be fair, the words that came out of his mouth. And in fact, my friend Caroline Hudak and I were at this dinner last night. We had dinner at this amazing restaurant, if you're in London, called Straker's. It was great. Very New York City. Food was great. Service was eh, but food was fantastic. And we just, it's so, but it feels New York. Like the tables are close together. I was telling her about the Iger stuff. And then the table next to us, the guy's like, I'm sorry, did you just say Bob Iger? And he was an American, but he lives in New York and is in London. He was with an English guy and he's an actor and writer and artist. And he just started going off. And like the four of us ended up in this like really passionate conversation. And he had the same views and he's an artist. He's like, I was like, what the fuck is this man doing? Why would he say something like that? It was just ill advised. And it's also on the heels of it being revealed that Bob Iger makes 77 times more than the, the average people who work at Disney. And you, you hear this. And then apparently Zaslav is like 1200 times more than the lowest paid person on his team. Like it's nuts, but you now have this backlash. So Fran Drescher is the head of SAG. She came out in her Norma Ray unbelievable moment, her speech, which was a rallying cry to the guild, to the actors. I thought it was really incredible. I was like, that is one hell of a nanny. I mean, she really killed it, brought it together. You could see the emotion. I'd never thought of her as that good of an actress. I don't know she was acting. I think she was really, this was truly coming from her place of, of, of passion. My biggest issue with them though, is that it's been very hard to articulate all of the different things that they want. So it's like people are latching onto this AI thing. And I think it's just, you know, it's really about the residuals and getting money and the streamers. So this is ultimately, and maybe this is where Iger was sort of talking about, cause he's sort of has one foot in one foot out. It's the streamers, right? These companies like Netflix and Hulu, are not paying the same as so if a, if a show becomes a streaming show it used to get you know go on the network like law and order on usa or whatever and you just get these residual checks but the streamers not they don't pay that way the same and so you're getting a huge thing on tiktok now where actors are showing their residual checks somebody who is on a on a top show on many there are many i can't even point out one many who are on top shows regular shows that they were on regular characters not just a guest show they were on 18 episodes or 3 seasons they're showing their residual checks for like $22, $17. Some were like in the pennies. They got to check. It costs more to send the check than the check itself. It is time to open three more residual checks from childhood acting. So when I was a kid, I did some work on a couple different television shows and movies. Okay, so check number one is for, oh, this one is for $27.56. And with taxes taken out, that comes to a whopping $25.15. This check is from Zoe 101, which I appeared in my sophomore year in high school. This one is for $23.78. Oh, but with tax taken out, $14.89. Wow, this is really exciting because yeah, usually they're like $1. And my total residual statement, $100. 
and $30.26. Anyway, my SAG dues are $114, so I guess my total residual earnings will go towards my dues for the year. And this is not the exception to the rule. This is the rule. This is what you're seeing. So it's really, it's the, the economics are nuts. There was a TikTok I just saw today, in fact, of a guy who was talking about the fact that he's a regular on a show. He was on two hit shows, one on Hulu, one on um, Apple Plus. And he was also then showed video of himself handing out flyers in Times Square. And he doesn't get his health insurance because the shows, and I don't know the rules on that streaming or whatnot. But anyway, there's a lot of problems. I think the media and people have clung to this AI stuff and not really, that's still so in the sort of unclear moment, but the, the numbers are clear. The residual stuff is clear. The streaming stuff is clear. The fact that Netflix doesn't re release numbers. So people don't even know where these things are. I mean, all of this is, you know, pretty questionable. Huge issue for me. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, two years ago, I wrote a successful TV movie. In the ensuing two years, we got residuals of over $100,000. If it had been sold to Netflix, I don't know we would have gotten, but maybe 2,500 bucks. When you negotiate with Hulu and Netflix, etc. They will say we're giving you bonus points up front. So you say what are those points based on? Oh, we won't tell you that and we won't negotiate the points either. And then you have the negotiations happening and the streaming companies and entertainment companies are just rejecting, rejecting. Like there was something that came out today that they're asking for more break time. And that was rejected more free, like more availability to have lunch rejected. I mean, it's just insane. And I, am in the tech world. I am a capitalist. I am, I believe in all, but I, I can't, there's just astronomical. The people are doing the work. The actors are the ones who bring in the audience. The people handling the cameras are the people that make this magic The the editors, the music, I mean, it's just incredible. And the CEOs are, are doing, you know, of course they're doing important stuff in many ways, but are they working 20 hour days and tough locations in many places. I mean, it just, I find it all crazy. So we're here. The growing sentiment is, is pretty loud. It's pretty much all over the socials. All the celebrities are getting involved. And I think something that was unexpected for everyone is that really now the guy who saved Hollywood post COVID that we all have to give credit where credit is due is Tom Cruise. Um, we've talked about that before. Top Gun brought people back in the movie theaters. It brought Hollywood back deservedly. Cause I love that fucking movie. Um, and now mission impossible, which I'm going to see this week. I cannot wait. And he did his own stunts. We've all seen that. He drove the motorcycle off the fucking cliff dropped. And then a parachute comes out. The man is unbelievable. He is unstoppable. You guys have issues with Scientology. Fine. I have issues with all organized religion, so I'm not going to specify any one over the other. I just am not into organized religions, but to each its own. And obviously there's problems with all organized religions, but I'm able to separate the man from that. He is a hero. He's an incredible, incredible advocate for his community. And he showed up at the negotiating tables. He is advocating for the Screen Actors Guild. He is doing his his part. And you got to say like hats off. Nobody expected Tom Cruise to sort of like go in there and roll up his sleeves and be like, guys, you got to fix this. And his thing in, is AI is interesting because I believe, 
I'm not a reporter on this, but I believe if he's not the most, he's certainly one of the most deep faked people on social media. So you've seen it, or at least you've seen it in the newsletter. Um, there is this one guy on TikTok who is able to deep fake himself so well that many, many people have been confused and thought that it was Tom Cruise doing something with like Paris Hilton, but it's really a deep fake. And that is problematic. And uh, there was a, um, in the new season of Black Mirror, there is an episode which, you know, it, it, it has its highs and lows. I won't say it was my favorite episode, but conceptually it's quite interesting where you have Salma Hayek is starring in it, um, as one of, as one of the stars, but basically the concept being that you're watching something on television on Netflix and then that, and you're, you're seeing Salma Hayek, but in turn, it's not Salma Hayek. It's the AI likeness of Salma Hayek that has been licensed and that person can do whatever the network whatever Netflix, which is interesting. Netflix makes the show and puts it out there, making them look like, yeah, we'll be able to do this. Basically make Salma Hayek does things that are terrible that she would never do if she was an actress, like never do vile, gross, probably, you know, think of it from a sexual or a violent or whatever. She would say, you know, a lot of these actors have no nudity clauses in their contracts, but if there's an AI person, that AI might not have a nudity clause. So they can create these things to do whatever the other actual person didn't do. It's bananas. So that's the world we're in. And now you have, I think the Oppenheimer premiere, one of the big ones, uh, took place without its cast because uh, in solidarity with the unions, these uh, actors are not walking red carpets and promoting a movie. And this is wild because this weekend is the, the two biggest blockbusters are coming out, which is, which is Barbie and Oppenheimer. And I am fascinated to see how they do. I think Barbie is a more of a, a, of an obvious success because it's a summer movie. It's a feel good movie. It's colorful. It's bright. It's fun. We have been bombarded with marketing uh, for it. Oppenheimer, it's going to be, it's dark. Cillian, Killian Murphy is not uh, world famous. I mean, he's famous to probably a lot of us listening to this, but he's not a global superstar. And while you have global superstars in it, it's a movie about the man who devised the nuclear bomb. It is scary. It is dark. It is probably terrifying in the moment of time we're in. So I can see that being maybe a little less appealing. I would have said, I thought Barbie would have been a family movie, but apparently according to my friends, it's probably not for little kids, but we'll just, I'm sure little kids will still be there. I'm sure not everybody will get that memo. Um, not to say, I don't think it's, it's like sexy. I just think it's probably a little over their heads. I think it's, uh, having lots of metaphors, if you will, throughout the entire film, but I am excited to see it. I am excited to see Oppenheimer. Apparently guys, Killian Murphy, Got, they got six months of prep before they started filming the movie, which is unusual, which is unusual. Again, I have no, I am not a Hollywood person, but I, I had friends who made movies or nin movies. So I understand that when they get cast in a movie, you generally don't have six months of prep. And Christopher Nolan apparently is known for doing that, giving people, the, the actors, a lot of time to prep. And in doing so, Killian Murphy wanted to be very method, I guess. And we've seen this, we've seen others do this. 
they have the discipline and it's generally like Christian Bale did that. I've seen people do it. Generally they're English or Irish. They must just have a stronger constitutional about themselves. Cause I'll tell you what, there's no way I could go six months without eating food. Sorry. Never couldn't go six hours, but Killian Murphy wanted to evoke the same sort of physical likeness of Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer apparently famously li- I mean, this I could totally get behind. He lived his entire diet was like martinis and cigarettes. So he was emaciated and he had these big hollow eyes, big eyes. And Killian Murphy really wanted to have that because it's such a part of that sort of that impact. And I think he nailed it. I mean, he looks emaciated. He looks like he's this like bobblehead of a guy, but I don't know if he needed to starve himself. I mean, in the day and age of Ozempic, I feel like he could have just gotten the pricks in his, in his thigh or abdomen every week, rather than just living on one almond a day, which is the story that's out now. Of course, that's probably not true because I don't think you can live on an almond a day, but um, nevertheless, another big story that, that I'm going to write about next week is, and I don't know much about it, but this Australian fisherman has been found who uh, had like lost his boat or something. And he and his dog have been lost at sea for like three freaking months. And I mean, it's fully cast away and he's emaciated. He kept his dog alive on a little like raft thing in the middle of the ocean. And he joked that he ate a lot of sushi, but he would able to like catch the fish and then he's feeding his dog and getting water for his dog. His dog survived. I mean, I don't know what I would do. Like, I, I mean, first of all, let's be clear, potato, the Frenchie would not last a day on a, on, in that situation. But I certainly don't think I would be far behind. Uh, It's unbelievable. He was found. It's interesting. The video of the people that find him, they approach him and they immediately are like, do you have any drugs or weapons on you? Like this man is clearly in distress. He like emaciated, has this crazy beard, but, and he's so coherent. He's like, no, I assure you, please search the boat. I'm just so grateful you're here. The dog and him are heroes. So like, that's a testament to survival and to kindness kept his doggo alive. I mean, there are a lot of people who would have killed that dog and eaten that dog. So this man did not think he was going to survive and yet he didn't give up and he kept his dog going. And I, I can't, I, I can't, I'm just going to start to cry. Man, I could go into so many other things, but I, uh, I've been talking a lot. I'm just calling this a summer series and it's, I will have guests. It's just, uh, it's me. I'm not a podcaster. I don't do this for a living. I don't have uh, teams of people that are booking and doing this for me. And I just can't get my schedule. Poor David has to deal with my crazy schedule. I'm like, we can do it now. Oh wait, tomorrow. Oh wait, next, like in an hour. And so having a guest with my neurotic lifestyle is pretty challenging. So I'm just calling this the summer series of Brooke babbling, which apparently I can do quite a bit of. And what else did I say? I led a little bit of a Hamptons trip. I talked to you guys about that. It was really great, glorious. Spent some time with our favorite Rich Moms creator, Tinks, Christina. Um, that was fun. I will say, sitting with Tinks and some friends at a dinner in East Hampton, I think we were, sort of Springs-like area, it was like sitting with the biggest Hollywood movie star, the th- or like Taylor Swift. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Throngs of people, women, but all ages, their moms coming up just like I, I, my heart felt for Tinks did it with so much 
class and charm and not once let on that it was taxing on her, but like the girl just wanted to eat and drink and like all these people, hundreds of girls were like, Oh my God, I love you. I mean, it was wild to see, but she handled it with so much grace. And, um, I appreciate that. And then my friend Kat Hantis, who is the incredible co-founder of my favorite tequila company, which everybody should drink 21 seeds, literally the most incredible tequila. It's infused tequila. I love it. There are three flavors. My flavor is um, jalapeno and cucumber and you just drink it on the rocks and it's deadly. It's so good. Um, so it was a great all around, been lots of summer pop culture things happening. Um, the latest right now, uh, to any of you listen to Miranda Lambert, I am not a Miranda Lambert fan. I'm not to say I'm not a country fan. I do like some, I'm more of like mainstream country, but Miranda Lambert is not somebody I've ever really warmed to. And, uh, for those of you listening who don't know who she is, just Google her. She's a country singer. She was married to the guy that's now married to Gwen Stefani, Blake Shelton. They had, they had sort of a reality show love and whatnot. Anyway, she's, um, been known to not be the warmest of people. And she's all over the socials this week for stopping her show and shaming like six women who were doing selfies while she was performing. And it's all, it's, there's so much video of it, like all angles of people at that show. And these six women, like, look, I get it. It's a smaller gig. This woman is singing. She's being distracted by the girls, like sort of, you know, not too far away from her, like posing and taking selfies with her in the backdrop. I get it. Like I'm sort of on both sides, but she stopped the show and shamed them. Now I, I am this person. I did that during my mother's funeral. Not going to lie. Terrible moment. I was 22 years old, highly emotional. I like asked somebody to leave because my mother didn't care for her. This is not my finest moment guys. But again, I was 22 and in mourning, like if you're a show, if you're a show person and you have a show, you sort of like the show must go on. Um, maybe you make a rule moving forward. Like if you are going to be disruptive and take photos, you will be asked to leave. Please no photos during the show or whatever. But it is making its rounds and people are not liking it. People are not liking it. So there's always a better way, I suppose. Well, that's it. I have I have some more pims to drink. I'm going to do my Mary Makeout Mute. Did I forget to do it last? I didn't forget to do it last week, David, but you know what? I had a nightmare this week that I forgot to do it and you forgot to tell me I forgot to do it. And then I listened to the pod and I was like, why did, where's my Mary make out mute? It's now reached into my subconscious and that's, that's really, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I would 100%, did I say this last week, make out with Killian Murphy? Not as Oppenheimer. I don't think that's really my kink, but just like definitely make out with him. I just think he's gorgeous. He's Irish. I have a thing for him. I'm very excited for the movie. I would marry Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt eating crisps. I just want to put that out there. Like I envision myself, I want to be walking down the aisle and I'll be like in my brain be like, oh my God, I'm marrying Brad Pitt, but I want Brad Pitt at the end of the aisle with a bag of salt and vinegar crisps, like ready for me, like eating them with a little twinkle in his eye. Like he eat, I can't explain it guys. Just go watch it. Like even the way he eats a fucking potato chip is sexy. I understand their issues with him and you might have personal upset with the breakdown of his marriage. I don't care. The man made potato chips sexy as fuck. Okay. I would mute. I can we just like I'm going to make the newsletter. Trump now seems like 
child's play compared to DeSantis and all of the fucking besties. Sorry, guys, that I know all these people that are acting like they are experts. These people, these tech people, these politicians who are acting like they're experts on everything. They are experts on child sexuality. They are experts on Russia and Ukraine. They are experts in Hollywood. They are experts on everything. They are just experts. It's mind blowing to me. So I mute all of these sort of you know, ridiculously fake experts who think they know more than who? Oh yeah. The experts. So that's who I mute all of them. And next week I will be back. I think stateside. Um, we'll see, we'll see where I end up, but I am preparing for a Taylor Swift concert. Um, and I am very excited and I'm so grateful to Ticketmaster and Live Nation. They are incredible um, for helping me get tickets. And I can't wait to be a part of the Swifty revolution. So for that, David, thank you for being a great producer. And I will see you guys next Thursday. Have a great week. Pop culture.